Okay, once again, good morning, church. How are we doing? Are we awake now? A little bit of worship. Can we thank our worship team for every single week crushing it? We appreciate them greatly, greatly, greatly. They put on a lot of time and effort and hours into that, and we couldn't be uh, more thankful for that. Alex is at home uh, taking a much-needed rest. Uh, and so Alex and Amanda and Teddy and Henry hope that you guys are enjoying your morning at home uh, in your PJs and, and being a family. So bless you guys. We, we absolutely love Alex and the work that he does for this church. Uh, we're gonna do a little calisthenics this morning. So would you please uh, stand if, don't stand yet. Out, geez, Grant, wait for the directions. So would you please stand if you uh, would rather eat pizza rather than hamburgers? Pizza rather than a hamburger. Well, there's judgment going on over on this section. Like, honestly, this is like get to know you. This isn't get to judge you, okay? Laura, geez. The Schultz's visit, and they're already judging folks. Wonderful. All right, have a seat. Uh, if you would rather be in the mountains today than at the beach today. Mountain people, look around. All right, have a seat. We'll judge you later. Beach people, stand up. You'd rather be at the beach. Yeah, like forget the mountains, forget the cold, put, me, put my feet in the sand, have a margarita, uh, virgin, of course. All right, all right, great. Have a seat. All right, now, last one. How many of you love secrets? Stand. You're like, dude, I don't know. Like, are we allowed to if we love God? No, all right, come on. If you love a good secret, stand up. Come on, look around. Don't like stand up quick and then sit down. Let's just judge, Laura, stand. Let's just judge for a moment. Just let this sink in a little bit. These are the secret keepers. They love a good secret. They love to be in the know. Now, how many of you like hate surprises? Don't do a secret. Would you please stand? Interesting. This is like psychology class. Some of you are looking at your spouse like, what? <laughs> All right, go ahead and have a seat. Well, uh, next Sunday, uh, we have a major uh, announcement for the life of this church. Uh, if you've been around here for any length of time over the last several years, we have been discerning God's will and God's hand for us as a church. We have been praying diligently. We have been seeking his guidance. We have been working on a new building. We have been doing everything we possibly can to lean into God, what are you doing? And it's not all been pretty. We've had, uh, we reflected even this morning over the past year, we've had our Boulder mass shootings uh, just over a year ago uh, at King Supers. Uh, we continue to live through the pandemic, uh, and uh, we had our Marshall fires only to be uh, closely neighbored by our NCAR fires yesterday. Uh, COVID has taken the life of dear ones that we love. It has been quite a journey. I will say this. Next week, we are going to make a, a major announcement to you, our church body. And we're gonna invite all of you who are online, please, 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 please plan on joining us online. If you're watching online and you live in the area, no judgment, but we're gonna ask you, please make every effort to be here in person 
uh, for this morning. It will take the majority of the morning. We'll still have worship, but then we're going to talk about what we believe with all of our heart, uh, all of us on leadership. We believe that God has spoken to us. He has been abundantly clear, and there's not a shred of doubt in our hearts where and how he is leading us. And we cannot be more excited to share that news with you. And I would even say this is the largest news in the life of this church since the church was birthed. Uh, in December of 1997, so 25 years, this will be the largest announcement that we will have heard since the church started. So uh, I know a lot of you, this is why we asked how many of you love secrets. So for some of you, you're like, well, heck, now I gotta wait a week on this secret, sorry. Uh, uh, and I'm gonna ask you, please don't come up to me or anybody up on leadership because we're just gonna tell you, you have to wait till next week. Uh, even if you go, well, just give me a hint. We're just gonna say you gotta wait till next week. So please don't put us in that position to have to say that over and over and over because we are a wall of pillars. We will not crack. Actually, we could crack. That's why we're, not, we're asking you, don't come and ask us. Uh, and so we're, we're extremely excited and we cannot reinforce more uh, that this is a God-sized dream and a God-sized movement, and we cannot wait to share that with each and every one of you. Okay, so now you get to sit on that and think about that throughout the morning. Uh, for the rest of you who can focus, we're going to ask you to open your Bibles to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. If you're new to the Bible, new to church, new to Christianity, new to kind of this whole thing called uh, faith, uh, Hebrews is in the second half of this book called the Bible. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, you'll get to the end and maybe in your Bible, circle back like a half an inch and you'll find the book of Hebrews will be in chapter 11. Three weeks ago, we started this series looking at this inc incredible patriarch named Abraham. Uh, and we've been looking at his faith and his obedience, even when things don't make sense, even when God hasn't given all the information. And he tells us, step out in faith, even though what, what I'm asking you to do doesn't line up with maybe my promises. And we've, we've talked about this quite a bit, that, that Abraham demonstrated his faith in his leadership and, and God's leading, even though he didn't know where he was calling him to, but he still said, yes, Lord. That is in verses eight through 10. And then in verses 11 and 12, we saw that Abraham demonstrated his faith in believing in God's promise. And we, we talked about this over and over and over, that God's promises are always perfect. He has a perfect track record in keeping his promise. Never, ever, ever has he ever made a promise in scriptures or to any individual and not fulfilled those promises. Abraham believed in God's promise of a son through Sarah, his wife, even though both of them, A, were past the child-rearing age, and B, that Sarah was barren. He still had faith. And now, here, in verses 17 through 19, Abraham demonstrates his faith by his unquestioning obedience when God commanded him to sacrifice his son, Isaac. And so that's where we're going this morning as we conclude this series. If you are able and willing, would you please stand? And for those of you at home, I invite you to stand as well as we read the scriptures. We're starting in verse eight and going through verse 19, and here's what it says out of the New Living Translation. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home 
and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and she was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there's no possible way to count them. All of these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and they welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they call their own. If they had longed for a country they came from, they could have just gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. And that is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And now to our verses this morning. Verse 17, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. That is the word of the Lord for us this morning. You may be seated. It's good stuff. I wonder how, how good, actually, if you're married, do this. How good is your spouse at taking directions? Just think about that for a moment. And then judge for yourself. How, how well do you take instruction uh, orders from someone else? Maybe, maybe it's a boss at work. Uh, maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your children. Uh, there's days, especially on a Saturday, where I feel like I'm getting ordered around all over the place. Uh, and sometimes I handle that well, and sometimes I, I don't handle that well. And I wonder if you're given an order and it absolutely makes no sense, how, how good are you at obeying that order? And now let's take that to faith. If God tells you to do something, he says, hey, Ethan, go across the street. You're gonna talk to this person who's getting coffee. How good are we at like acting on that, right? Uh, if God says, uh, hey, I'm gonna put someone on your mind, I want you to stop everything you're doing and just pray for them right now. And you're busy, you got things going on, your, your schedule, how many of us stop and obey that command? If God says, hey, you've, you've got this money sitting in your bank account, I really want you to do X with it, how many of us stop and go, yes, Lord, and we just do it? Or how many of us wanna know like more details? Like tell me some more of how this is going to pan out. I ask those questions of myself because whenever I read the scriptures, whenever I read of individuals especially, I kind of take my life up against a backdrop of them and go, man, would I do that? Or how would I, how would I handle that situation? And a lot of times I go, man, I, I still have so much 
to learn. I have so many areas to grow. And I think you're probably a lot like me in, in that regard. Abraham demonstrated incredible faith in God because he obeyed without question. He just did. And I wonder if that's our lives. When, when God says, just do it, do we do it without questions? Even when it appeared, as we'll see, that, he, that Abraham some, had some very, very good reasons why he should question the directive that he had been given. Why? Because it didn't make any sense. And if you've walked with God for any length of time, uh, and you're leaning into that relationship with God, you know this. Sometimes God doesn't make sense to us. He makes sense. <laughs> he just doesn't make sense to us. It's like, for instance, uh, I'll tell a joke to my kids and they'll roll their eyes and they'll say, you're not funny. I'm like, to you. <laughs> to you. Humor is in the eyes of the beholder. I actually am funny. And, and I will try to, then flesh that out and explain the jokes, which become less and less funny after you're a few minutes in of, of trying to work with them to understand your humor. Nevertheless, sometimes we can go, hey, God, you don't make sense. And he doesn't to us. So let's look at verses 17 through 19. If you have your Bibles open or, or your phones turned on, let's dig into this and see what we can learn from Abraham offering his son Isaac up to God as we conclude this uh, series. The first point is this, and a lot of you have been taking notes throughout this series to begin with. Faith recognizes that God sometimes tests us, and that's okay. Faith recognizes that sometimes, not always, but sometimes God tests us. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham, got, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Now, there's two points to this idea that God tested Abraham. The first one is this. God never intended for Abraham to uh, sacrifice Isaac. Never. It was never part of the plan. It was never something God was going to carry out. It was never part of God's desire. And a lot of people will miss this whole point of the incident because they misunderstand God's intentions. They say, well, how can a loving God order someone to sacrifice his son, that just doesn't seem like it lines up with God. And you know what? They're right. God does not order the sacrifice of children. That's a, that's a misinterpretation of exactly what was going on. And he never has. In contrast to the false gods of the time, they were constantly sacrificing children. It was happening on a regular basis. This is why when we think, man, this is the worst times our world has ever known. Time out. All you need to do is go do a research a little bit on history, modern history even, but then open up the scriptures and find out for game and for honor, they would grab young children from birth all the way through like 10 years old and kill them and put them on stakes for their gods. Can you imagine that? on our local news. Our times have been much, much worse. And God commanded the Israelites not to sacrifice their children. In fact, that was one of the reasons why God destroyed the people of Canaan and then gave their land to the Israelites because the people of Canaan were sacrificing children. So that's never part of God's plan. And God never intended Abraham to sacrifice 
Isaac. Look at Genesis chapter 22, verses one through two. It'll be on the screen, and for those of you online, it'll be on your screen. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will tell you about. Two key points here. Number one, God tested Abraham and then said, begin the journey. But remember, we talked about this a few weeks ago. He doesn't always give us all the information of where things are going. He doesn't say, hey, go here and this is how it's all gonna play out. He says, I'm gonna tell you about one of the mountains, but I'm not telling you now. And that's true for your life. Sometimes God is gonna tell you, hey, sell your house. And you go, great, where are we supposed to move? Not gonna tell you that yet. God begins to prompt your heart, hey, quit your job. And you go, wonderful, what kind of job are you gonna give me? Not gonna tell you that yet. Sometimes God doesn't fill in the blanks, but he calls us to a faith even when we don't know how this is all going to pan out. But listen, God did not intend for Abraham to actually kill his own son. God was testing Abraham to see if Abraham would obey. It's very, very important. Does God tempt? No. Does he test? Yes. On a regular basis. And truth be told, we fail those tests all the time. And we serve a gracious and patient and loving God who says, oh, we'll get him next time. He's the perfect parent. The word tested here is a word that means to test or examine or to make a trial of something. It can mean uh, to tempt when used in enticing someone to do something wrong, but the Bible tells us that God never tempts anyone to do evil. So we know that is a promise. We know that is truth. So if, if we know he's never gonna tempt us, then he's always going to test us instead. And God was not tempting Abraham here. He was not making a sacrifice of Isaac somehow to seem good and enticing to Abraham so that he would fall into a trap of doing evil. That's not how God works. God was not tempting. He was testing Abraham. He was examining him. Did Abraham really love God? You say you love me, but do you really? You say you're devoted to me, but are you really? You say I'm first, but am I? That is a heart of God. And it's always meant to refine us. It's always meant to put us in a place of uncomfortableness. Think of Peter. I won't deny you ever. Really? We'll see. We'll see how that goes. And then Peter's positioned where he can either act on that or not. God knew that Abraham loved Isaac deeply. For those of you who are parents and for those of you who are grandparents, for those of you who are aunts or uncles or if you've volunteered in our base camp children's ministry, you know the love of children. 
Now, sometimes you want to drop kick them, but you also love them. They can drive you insane and love them at the same time. And it's no different when they become adults, right? Let's just be honest. God is the only one who has a perfect love. Our love is limited, so sometimes our kids will drive us nuts and sometimes we just can't get enough of them. Well, God knew that Abraham loved Isaac. And in asking Abraham to sacrifice his son, God was testing Abraham's devotion to himself and making a trial of Abraham's faith and obedience. So that's the first point. The second is this. God tests us so that we may know what's in our heart. This is a really important part. And this is something, if you're a parent, this is something that you will absolutely be able to help your children. This is a conversation that Sandy and I have with our kids on a regular basis of what is in your heart. And this is the idea behind it. You might wonder, well, why would God test in order to reveal in our heart? Because if God knows everything, why test it so that he can find out something? Makes no sense, right? It's like going to God and saying, hey, do you know what's behind that wall? No, Brian, I have no idea what's behind that wall. Tell me. Like, God already knows all that. So why the test? God already knows what your love is for him. And he knows whether or not that you will pass that test, but oftentimes we don't know. Are you with me? Sometimes we don't know the condition of our heart. It's like if you go on a hike with someone and, and, and they go, I, I can't do it. And you turn to them and go, you'd be surprised what you can do. Let's just give it a shot and then they do it, they had no idea they could accomplish it. And sometimes you don't know what you're capable of in faith. You don't know how much you can handle. You ever been at a point where you're just at a breaking point, you're like, I can't handle any more sadness, I can't handle any more brokenness, I can't ha handle any more, any more bad news, and you just go, enough is enough, and then something else happens, and you go, look, I thought I told you I can't handle anymore. God knows what you can handle. And often what happens in our life is it reveals the condition of our heart because the test is for our benefit. It's not like when God tests Brian, he, he tests me, and, 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 I, and I respond a certain way that he goes, oh my gosh, I had no idea he would respond that way. God already knows that, but who is surprised? Me. I'm either, I'm either surprised for the better or I'm surprised for the worst. And that's where community comes in because community then can help expose how you're responding so that why? So you will continue to grow. Here's the thing. God doesn't test us so that he will know what's in our heart. God tests us so that we may know what's in our heart. And sometimes it is through that very test itself as we exercise our faith in obedience to God that our love for God becomes more actual and more real. In other words, without the test, we may not be able to say, yes, I truly love you, Lord. So again, when we wrestle with, well, why do difficult things happen to good people? Well, why do bad things happen to good people? Why is there evil in this world? 
Well, it's nice to say we're the hands and feet of Jesus when we go feed the homeless or we're the hands and feet of Jesus when we're gonna go down to Juarez or we're the hands and feet of Jesus when we're gonna get together with a life group and help provide meals or if we're gonna intervene with the fire victims and do really fun things. That's fun to be the hands and feet of Jesus. It's a little bit different when we're thrown literally into the fire. And that which is not of God is burned away. And what's revealed is something precious and beautiful. Why is it precious and beautiful? Because the scriptures say your faith is not of your own. It is a gift from God. That's why it's beautiful. And so the tests come in our lives so that we are revealed what we have in us. We, we read something similar in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. We, we studied this a couple of years ago. This verse says, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Your faith is going to be proved genuine and will result in praise and glory and honor to you. Now, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not, it's not for you and I to receive praise and glory and honor because of our faith. Our faith is refined and grown often through tests and difficulties so that when Christ is revealed, he may receive the glory and the honor and the praise. This is a, a, a mind-boggling idea because it's not just about the now. You are being shaped. You are being molded. You are being cleaned up. You are being sanctified so that when that day comes, when the trumpets sound, your life, your faith brings glory and honor and praise to the King of kings and Lord of lords which means he's doing something in your everyday life. When you're frustrated at laundry, when you're frustrated raising kids, when you're frustrated about errands or cleanup day on Saturday or when the finances don't work out or there's tension in your family, what's being refined in you is for glory to come. That sets our mind in a direction of not now, but what's to come. It's amazing. And God asked Abraham to offer up his son Isaac. And I asked, what might God be asking of you today to give up as a sacrifice? He might ask you to give up something in your lifestyle, how you're living your life. I don't know. I, I'm just going to pose some things. He might ask you uh, to look at something in your life that's maybe displeasing to him and go, we've been at this a long time. It's time for you to finally make a decision. He might ask you to give up a personal relationship or a status or even a successful career, a dream. Or he may tell you to move to a land that I have prepared for you. You see, God must be first in our lives. And sometimes God tests us to give us the opportunity to put him first. So that's, that's the starting point. God wants to be first. That's his rightful place. And sometimes tests happen in our lives 
to give us the choice to actually put him there. Why the tests? Because we don't naturally do that. We wish we could say we did. We wish we could say every day this week, you all, myself included, we put God first every minute of every day. And we show up here on a Sunday morning to high five and chest bump because we did it. When it's really the opposite. It's to show up and go, I'm still trying and have someone else go, me too. Well, how can you do it? Well, I'm thinking about making these choices. Interesting. It's what I feel like God's saying to me too. Well, how can I pray for you? Well, I'm gonna make this decision this week. Man, that's a big one. Let me pray for you right now. That's church. Notice how that's different than, hey, how was the week? Good, busy. It's very different. So when we begin to lose the facade, when we begin to lose the Sunday best, and we really get into what God is doing in our lives as men, as women, as singles, as widows, as young married, as seasoned married, we begin to see God is doing something similar in all of our lives. And when that happens, when we're tested to be in a position, are we going to put God first? Or are we going to hold on to our desires, our comfort, what's known to us, what's comfortable to us, what we've always known, both on a church scale, a grand church scale, but also an individual level? Are we going to rise to that moment where we must choose to put God first without question? So we learn that faith recognizes that sometimes God tests us. Here's the second point to that. Faith obeys even when we don't understand. Even when it makes no sense to us, we obey. Here is where we as Christians at times begin to look weird to the world around us. Because uh, the world will look at things uh, on a horizontal level. Does the math add up? Does the Excel spreadsheet add up? Does the uh, Google Sheets of pros and cons add up where you, you explain your decision and the world goes, yep, that makes total sense. I can see where you're going with that. God operates on a completely different scale. He calls us to have faith even when we don't understand and when things don't make sense. Abraham could not understand why God would say, sacrifice your son Isaac, and yet he was still ready to obey that command. I can stand before you today and I can assure you I would not have had the faith of Abraham. And if I did, I would have walked really slowly and I would have made every excuse like, oh, my shoe is untied. Like, I would have bought time as much as I can, and I would have asked as many questions, and I would have pushed back. I would have channeled Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Hey, is there any other way? But I don't know that I would have added, not my will, but yours be done. Just being honest, I don't know that I could have done that. But look at verse 17 again, and it bleeds into verse 18. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Well, how is that? 
How's that going to work? How is it going to work when when God says, you're going to do this, but I'm going to take away everything in your ability to do it? I'm going to call you to, to, uh, to give money, but I'm going to take all your money first. Well, wait a second, Lord, how am I supposed to do that then? You just got to trust me. I'm going to call you to take people into your home. Some of you do that on a regular basis. And then I'm also going to make you the most tired you've ever been, but I'm going to call you to still be hospitable. Well, wait a second, that, like, the two don't make sense. If you're going to call me to bring people into my home, give me a vacation to Fiji first for you beach people. When it doesn't make any sense, here's why this makes no sense. In verse 17, it describes Abraham as he who had received the promises. And the word translated received here is very different than the rest of the times throughout the Bible. It's actually a legal term that means to undertake or assume responsibility for something. So it's not received like, hey, I walk up to Grant and go, hey, here's a plant, and he receives it. That, that's not what it's talking about here. Abraham received the promises. He received, he undertook, and he assumed all responsibility for that promise. It's like some of you, uh, your bosses will come to you and say, hey, this is on you. If it works, it's on you. If it doesn't, it's on you. But then I'm gonna take all that away from you and still crush it. I'm like, wait a second, this, like, this is not fair. Imagine Abraham here. This idea, the, the, this legal aspect is, is, in this particular use of the word is like if someone takes in a foster child or adopts a child, you take on the legal responsibility of that life. That is a big deal. Some of you, actually a lot of you, have had babies here recently. And it's amazing, some of you can remember this, the day that they discharge you and they roll you, well, they roll the wife down in the little wheelchair and you go get the car, and they're like, okay, bye. And I vividly remember with all of our kids going, we have room. Who's coming with us? Like you fall in love with those nurses and those techs. And you go, you gotta be kidding me. You're sending me home with this human. And this human has to stay alive on my watch. Legally and practically. Because if they don't, I'm on the hook. That's the condition of the promise that God gives Abraham. You better fulfill it. And then strips away every chance for it to be so. Abraham received the promises of God concerning the future generations through Isaac, who would inherit the land of Canaan and become a mighty nation. And now he was caretaker to keep those promises. 
But it goes even deeper than that. God had told Abraham clearly, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. So here's what's going on. He loves Isaac. He cares deeply for Isaac. But now even the promise is in jeopardy. The promise is in jeopardy and his son is in jeopardy. And here lies the conflict, not just between Abraham's love for God and his love for Isaac. The conflict here is to complete the mission. And at times, our obedience is a conflict between God's commands and our desires. And we're called to obey even when we don't understand. Even in those instances when we truly don't understand, God calls us to obey. Proverbs chapter three, verse five. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Why? Because you're not gonna understand. God says in Isaiah chapter 55, verses eight through nine, for my thoughts, they're not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Abraham may not have understood, but he still obeyed. For faith obeys even when we don't understand. In Genesis chapter 2, we learn that Isaac and uh, Abraham had a three-day-long journey to the place of the sacrifice on Mount Moriah. Some of you don't like to hike. That's a long hike. They didn't jump in an Uber to get to the mountain. It wasn't a three-day drive. It was a three-day-long journey. And to be sure, that gave Abraham a long time to contemplate. But think as he may, Abraham could not possibly reconcile the command that God had given him with the promise that he had given earlier. And Abraham didn't know how this was all going to work out. We do. We get to read the story. But put yourself in the position of it happening real time. But Abraham determined to obey God no matter No matter what, I'm going to obey God. And here's how Abraham's logic possibly went. I'm reading a little bit into it, but but I think I'm pretty close. Abraham reasoned, he calculated, he ran the numbers, he played the story out. He did some holy math numbers. And this is what he came up with. Isaac was the son of the promise. We know that. For God's promise to come true, Isaac has to have children. Think of him sitting on a rock, scratching his beard and wondering, and kind of playing this out. So he's got two down. At this particular point, Isaac is unmarried and he doesn't have any children. Promise starting to get a little hard. And now God has commanded Abraham to offer up Isaac as a sacrifice. Starting to go downhill here, Lord. 
If Isaac dies before having any children, then God's promise would be null and void unless God somehow God raises Isaac back to life. There's five. So then Abraham believes in God's promise and therefore he reasoned, according to the scriptures, that God must have the power to raise the dead. Six. And so Abraham acts in faith. Seven. This would be remarkable faith now. But I want you to think about it back then. Why is that important? Well, you have to realize that Abraham had no historical precedence for raising life from the dead yet. Humanity did not know raising from the dead. It had never happened. So it's not like Abraham could go, man, you've raised this person and this person and this person. Heck, you raised your son from the dead. I will trust you because I know your track record. Nope. He doesn't have the track record for his faith. And sometimes God is going to call you to a faith where there's no track record. And yet Abraham, in this moment, he reasons his way to a, to a belief in the resurrection simply based on the promise of God concerning Isaac. And Abraham chose to believe God's promise and then to obey God's command. And he trusted God to work out all the details. I can't even fathom it. those moments, the, the, the questions from Isaac, hey, wh what are you doing? Trust me, Isaac, but better yet, trust the Lord. Yeah, but this isn't looking so good. Like you're not the one on the altar, I am. Hey, why are you like getting ready to light a fire? Trust me, but trust the Lord. Yeah, I don't know about that. Notice it doesn't talk about Isaac's faith. Good reason. It talks about Abraham. And as we've talked about it from week one till today, sometimes God doesn't tell you how the story is going to play out. He just says, the next step in front of you, trust me because I'm doing things you could never ask or imagine. And I wonder what is that for your life? Where's God calling you to a place of faith to step out, to trust him? Maybe he's told you, talk to that neighbor across the street. He's told you that a hundred times. He said, go share your faith with them. Go love them. Go encourage them. And you're like, mm, yeah, maybe someone else. To contemplate, to wrestle. And it's not just for you. We too as a church leadership, we have been wrestling, we have been hearing, we have been double checking and triple checking and quadruple checking that, Lord, are we really hearing you right? Is this really what you're calling us to do and to be? Are you sure? And we've had to lean in 
and listen and obey. And the details are not all fleshed out, but it is so abundantly clear. Our God, the God of all creation, the King of kings and Lord of lords, that one day will come, every tongue will confess, every knee will bow that he is Lord. He has been faithful and true to us as a church. And he will be faithful and true to you. This wild ride called faith and obedience. And it's amazing. I just want to encourage you again, please join us next Sunday. Come and worship. Come and eat well. Hint, hint. We're all dependent on you to eat well. The worship God will provide. The food, that's on you. But come and see God's amazing plans for us as a church family because he has made it clear this is the way. Walk in it. Let's pray together. God, it's been an incredible gift to walk through in part the story of Abraham. This man's um, this man's faith, <laughs> his courage, his boldness, um, yeah, I just, uh, I'm, I'm thankful for Abraham. I just don't know that I could do it. But I'm thankful for, for men and women, for children who have come before us, not only in the scriptures, but, but in today's day, that set an example of faith, to step out, to get out of the boat, to step out into the water, to pick up our cross and, and to follow you to give money and time away, to take people in, to care, to love, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, even when it makes no sense. And then you swoop in and you give the strength, you give the finances, you give the vision, you give the direction because you want all the glory and the honor and the praise to be uh, heaped onto yourself. And we're glad to do it. So we love you. We thank you for the Holy Scriptures. We thank you for your extreme faithfulness in all things. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our beautiful, loving Savior, who was and is and is to come. In Jesus' name we pray. I'm going to invite Alicia up to lead us in the introduction to communion. Would you please stand?